pain in the ass that way, isn't he? Not really. I mean, he's, <laughs> no, he's very. I prefer particular. temperamental. Look, Morales knows what he likes, and he knows what he's comfortable with, and he knows the rights and the wrongs for how to do shit. Right. And so you know, he he's he's particular, and that's fine because I'm particular. Um, when I first got hired for SCP, when when Brett brought me in. He wanted me to book a flat-out athletic Ring of Honor knockoff with no sizzle, with no side characters, with no soap opera storylines, none of that. He just wanted matches. And I was like, okay, well, if you just want a matchmaker, then you can do that yourself. Nice. Because I'm, I'm a booker, and bookers tell stories. Correct. And, I, and if I'm going to tell stories then I'm going to create programs. We're going to have side characters. We're going to have, try to have some good steak, but we're going to have a hell of a lot more sizzle than we are going to have steak because it's the sizzle that brings fans in. I can guarantee you, I I tell guys this all the time, especially the new guys. When you bring somebody to a show for the first time and they walk away from a wrestling show, how many times do you hear the casual wrestling fan talk about all the awesome moves they saw <laughs> or all the awesome counters and reversals and how much cool catches catch can wrestling was on that show. You don't ever hear that. No. You hear people talk about the moments, the angles, what this guy said, or these guys came in and jumped this dude. They, they talk about the moments. They talk about the soap opera. They talk about the sizzle. Only wrestling marks talk about work rate. That, that's it. Ooh. And so and I'm not trying to book a show for wrestling marks. I'm, I'm, I'm booking a show for people who want to watch professional wrestling. That's a good point. And I like your definition of it because that, that's exactly all the meat and potatoes of it. You can't, you can't just have a steak without some potatoes, but you also got to yeah. make sure you got the wine. Yeah. You got to get the, the sear. You got to yeah. get, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like here in, here in Amarillo, we have the, uh, 72 ounce steak challenge right that big texan and in order to get that steak for free you have to eat the 72 ounce steak you have to eat all the side items that come with it like four rolls like all that potatoes the beans all that but you also have to clear a fair amount of the fat and grizzle if you leave too much fat and grizzle on your plate they're they're not going to give it to you no you you got to eat that shit okay and so sometimes there is going to be stuff in wrestling that so-and-so may not like, or that might not be their specific um, wheelhouse, mm-hmm. but guess what? It all goes together and you got to take all of it. And, and if you just go in there and say, Hey, just, we're going to have five matches and they're all going to be 25 minutes long. And they're all going to be spot, 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 spot with 97 kickouts and false finishes. And yeah. no one's going to have a finish. Superman punch. That's when, that's when people are going to tune out. Yep. Because if you, if you look at WWE right now, you go back to, to 2006, seven, what was everybody bitching about? It was the ruthless aggression era. Attitude was over. And it was starting to get into that almost PG era. And what were people bitching about? There's not enough wrestling. It's all talking. It's all stories. It's all quick matches. All rapid. But who was, watch- who was watching the show? Not me. Four, 
four four million or five million people were watching the show every week. Yeah, and then now in the last ten years, what have we got? More wrestling than we ever had. Before we get too far, minimal character development, minimal stories, minimal talking. It's mostly fifteen to twenty minute matches every single week. And now who's watching? Less than two one, million people. One point Why? one, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because the people that are watching are the same wrestling marks that are on Twitter that read dirt sheets. All the casuals are gone. They're all gone. And why? Because we've moved away from what worked. Before we get and too we far. Before we get too far. To we we got to introduce you. Okay. That's we cool. we got to introduce you because I, I I was I was privy to a little bit of this conversation as a fly on the wall over uh, at your Fed uh, last week. But Mr. Morales, why don't you introduce our esteemed guest here on the Minefields Indie Wrestling Report number fifty six. Oh wow, he's fifty six. Fifty already. We are introducing a man I have known personally for fifteen years at this point. Nice. This is a man who uh, I met when I lived in Amarillo. Um, I had just taken over the training, and this gentleman had just taken over the booking for West Texas Wrestling Association. Um, we always call him a mad genius. This is a guy that helped bring in guys like Jerry Lynn, uh, Raven, Just Incredible, Eric Cannon, um, Terry Taylor. Um, this is a man that has, uh, you know, when things were going good, he was the guy that was the, uh, the guy heading the ship, as it were. You know, this is a man that put forth, quite frankly, a lot of his blood, sweat, and tears, more so than quite a few of the workers. This is a man who, when push came to shove, was more than willing to go into his own pocket, if need be, for his show. Um, he now is the booker for... Squared Circle Pro in Lubbock, Texas. This is the man, the myth, the guy with glasses, Rick Kelsey. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's a that's a, a nice introduction. Probably far far more uh, far far more than I think I deserve. But okay, <laughs> especially for a guy when he gets knocked on his ass, his shoes fall off. Well, you know. You can't. I, I, you can't help it if the shoe comes off. It comes off. <laughs> it's like you pick of, that shoe up, you throw them right back at them. Of, of all the, of all the, of all the memes that or, or uh, photos that came out of last weekend, it's you losing your goddamn shoe and got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Everyone popping for it. Well, it, at least I, at least it wasn't a Carrie Von Eric situation where it, di- it didn't expose that I didn't have a foot. Or a uh, or a uh, a Daniel Bryan thing where a full ball came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you can get you can get your balls over. It'll happen. I mean, it's pro wrestling. You can get anything over with enough work. Maybe <laughs> we get them in training. We, we get your balls every in training. I, like <laughs> I take a beating every once in a while. It's okay. No, it was it was good. It was it was a it was such a welcome breath of fresh air. Like I said earlier, of uh, it was different. It was well run. Uh, everyone was in good spirits, whether or not they showed it or not. Everyone was backstage, ready to get work done. You had some rabid, rabid fans. That was so much fun. I got some really good footage of of everyone outside marking out, and it it, it really warmed my heart. 
it took it took a while to build uh, that fan base. Um, the The people that come to SCP are fairly regulars. Right. Uh, we always have an influx of of new people that come in and then become regulars. Um, but you know, we we've been running SCP since 2011, and uh, it took about. See, our, our we ran from 2011, and then we took a break in 2014. We were out for a year, and then we came back uh, the end of 2015, and we've run since then. And once we came back, I think it took about, I would say, t- uh, about the middle of 2016 before we really developed the base we have now. And um, that's why I'm not really worried about uh, other people running in Lubbock. Uh, you know, like taking our fans or anything like that, because our, our fans are pretty loyal. Is that a um, thing that we, we have? Well, I mean, there's there's another promotion in Lubbock uh, called Rampage, which we're friendly with. Cool. Um, and they they run more a little more quarterly, whereas we run bi monthly. Uh, they run quarterly. Um, there's another promotion that's a sister promotion of ours that runs uh, towns around Lubbock. Uh, we work with them. Um, but coming up on July 24th, uh, Rodney Mack and James Beard's promotion, uh, Southwest Wrestling Entertainment, is coming into Lubbock, and they're running head to head with us. Oh, hmm. and so uh, a lot of people, a lot of people are are like, you know, oh my gosh, what are you guys going to do? We're going to do the same thing we always do. We're going to have the same show we always have. Uh, we're going to start early. We're going to start way over the doors at 5:30 this time. We're going to run from six to ten. Um, instead of, you know, having a pre-show, we're just going to do the whole show. Cool. Um, and I am, I'm bringing some, I'm bringing girls in and we're going to do some different stuff, but none of the stuff that we were going to do is being done because of that. Right. Uh, it was going to be done anyway. We're just putting some extra focus on it. Um, but I really think that the same crowd that comes to see us is going to come see this show too. I don't think they're going to choose the other one over ours um, because even though the other one is going to, you know, they're going to advertise some names and they're going to, I think they're calling it a TV taping. Um, my crowd knows what they're going to get with us. They're going to get a consistent show. They're going to get a little bit of comedy. They're going to get a little bit of violence. They're going to get some uh, good uh, to great wrestling. And they're going to get all, all everything on the show is going to make sense. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, I can't, I cannot be involved in wrestling that doesn't make sense. No, I, I, I don't know. I can't do it. Um, it's, that's part of the reason why it's so hard for me to watch televised wrestling because so much of TV wrestling right now, um, it doesn't make sense week to week. Well, let's, and, let, let, let me, uh, let me, let me wrangle you back before we start talking about TV. Uh, let, yeah, let, sure, let's let's right. let's let's talk more about SCP here because one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was stay in your own goddamn lane. Don't worry about what the other yep. guy's doing. If you want to be friendly yep. with him, if you're cruising on the same highway, that's fine. But yep. worry not for what other gentlemen are doing. Worry about making sure you've got yep. consistent good product. Now, yep. your Fed's been around for a while. Feds mm-hmm. don't last that long unless they have good booking, good talent. Uh, a good locker room, and also great fans. Like, uh, don't don't always make sure you always count on the fans, which I'm sure you do, which I'm sure you do. When uh, when COVID happened, uh, I realized that my favorite character on wrestling was not, or, or pro wrestling, or whatever you want to call it, 
uh, was not, you know, Stone Cold. It, it's not Jericho, my hero. It's the fans. Like, the, like the fans were gone. Like, there was no, no one to join with. There was no one to feel uh, camaraderie with. Um, like, no one to, to chant with. And we're winding down on COVID. Uh, obviously, it's been a, a four-letter word in, in the back of our head for a year and a half. Let's talk about the Fed. Now, you've been with it for how long again? Uh, since 2011 is when we came in with SCP. Uh, it's been 2011, but uh, uh, we did take a year off in there uh, because we had an issue with the venue. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's been, I mean, we're, I, I would say, you know, we're basically nine years in. What do you feel is your point. secret to livelihood here, to, to staying afloat? Uh, I think that it's consistency uh, across the board. We've built uh, a roster that our fans are familiar with. Uh, I would say 80% of our roster has been on board for more than four or five years. And um, we also have, uh, when our, when, when fans come to, to our show, they know in essence what they're going to get. And when I say that, I'm, I'm saying they, they understand there's almost always going to be one crazy match that goes balls to the wall bananas and that there's going to be some blood. Mm-hmm. They know that the guys are, some people are going to get the microphone and they're going to talk and they're funny or they're, you know, they, they know people's characters. They know people's, um, they know their motivation. They, they know the stories. Mm-hmm. They're, they're invested in the stories. It's all very consistent, and across the board, they, they get it, and they know what to expect. And uh, I think that that's something that people are missing a lot in wrestling today, is they, there's not enough consistency to get people to feel comfortable, you know, tuning in on a regular basis. And I think that if you're going to invest in something, you're going to invest emotionally in something, you've got to be given something to invest in. And that's one of the things we try very hard at SCP to do is give our fans something to invest in. And I think that it's working. I think that they do. Yeah, they, they were definitely, you had a line around the corner, man. It was awesome. Like they were there, they were there when we showed up and we got there as early as we could. And they, they were, I mean, there's some shows I've personally been to where the, it's a trickle, you know, the, you know, things, people might, you know, will come fill their seats that they bought, but it's a little bit different when there's a line around that fucking corner, when they, they, this, all they've been thinking about all week was getting to that, that, that destination X, we're, we're going to, we're getting to SCP, we're going to be there early, um, it didn't look like you guys had assigned seating there at all. Uh, we don't have like ticket numbers or anything like that. We don't, we, we don't really sell physical tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just pay at the door. Uh, and we have done in the past where we've reserved, had done like pre pre-sale reserve yeah. uh, for the next show. And if we have somebody prepay in advance, they leave their name and then they'll get like a little, I'll put their name on a placard and I'll set it on the chair. Uh, for them at the next show, you know, they'll come sit in that seat. Um, but other than that, no, we, I just try to take care of like the sponsors will have a uh, specific seating yeah, in specific places. 
but also if certain fans, like I have a fan that's in a wheelchair. And so I know that when he comes to the show, he tells me in advance, I'm going to be there. I make sure to leave him at corner aisle seat, you know, and I'll put like a, a tape on the floor so that my security knows that's where this dude's wheelchair needs to end up. Nice. And, uh, or, or I'll have a family that comes regularly and they'll be like, Hey, eight of us are going to be here this time, or we're bringing some friends. There's going to be 10 of us. They'll tell me in advance. And so I'll tell them, I'll make sure that you have seats either in the second row or the front row, you know, whatever I have available. But I try, to accommodate, I try to accommodate the regulars if, if they know if they can get a hold of me and I'll do my best to help them out. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it just, I, I try, if I had my way, because I don't control every aspect of SCP. I, I only deal in the product. I don't deal so much in the business business side of it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, my business partner does that. Uh, Brad handles all that. But um, if I had my way, we would do online ticket sales. Uh, and you know, but we're trying to find an outlet that doesn't charge an arm and leg for that. Right. So. Uh, We'll, we'll get there. I mean, we'll get there eventually, but uh, it's it's also been baby steps. You know, I mean, we're nine years in, almost 10 years in, and um, I'm in no hurry at all to, like, have everything tomorrow. Right. I, I don't need I don't need to be WWE tomorrow at right. all. Um, I can totally take baby steps to get to the end um, as long as we stay consistent slow burn wins the race my... with consistency exactly. yeah exactly yeah now, tony what's your some of your experiences over here at uh scp in lubbock no i've been there forever it feels like i was working for that i was working in that particular you know jake's back room since before it was uh before it was scp even you know it's been it's been good been ups and downs over the years but you know solid real you know solid overall you know we had a chance to bring in, you know, brought in Vanity Inc. last year or a couple years ago at this point, you know, and that was that was awesome. You know, had some had some really great matches, you know, over the years. Wrestled a uh, Trajan Ender, Rex Reed, you know, um, working, you know, working towards getting into a little something something with the blood. So that'll be interesting to see how that happens. But yeah, overall, it's been a great experience. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't stick around if I wasn't welcome. So. Now, I have always had deep affinity for the Colorado guys. Say that again. You're just a little far away from your mic, brother. Oh, sorry, sorry. I have always had a very, uh, very big love for and affinity for the Colorado people. Um, I, when I was doing WWA in Amarillo, Colorado guys would come in uh, regularly. Your mic, your mic is cutting out real bad. Cool. Now, uh, while you're getting to the other room, it was like we we certainly appreciate you having an affinity for the Colorado guys because we yeah. are the Colorado guys. Um, there, there was uh, yeah. a few people I, I was really uh, happily surprised to. I knew a bunch of people there, man. I thought I was going to be the new guy. No, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, is this better? Way better. A lot better. Way yeah. better. Okay. Um. Yeah, there's a, a lot of the guys travel, you know, they go different places. And so everybody kind of networks and 
sooner or later, you're going to get on a show where you'll be like, oh my God, I know like 80% of the people here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yep. uh, I love I love the Colorado guys. And so anybody from Colorado that, especially if, Mor- if Morales tells me, hey, this dude's on the up and up, I'll give him a shot. Logan Austin. <clears throat> <laughs> we just said we had him. <laughs> No, um, yeah, no, let's go back to WWA real quick, Rick. Let's, let's talk about how you got because you weren't, you know, you were a big time fan beforehand, but like, how did you get in with like the booking aspects to begin with? Oh, okay, how did we get into WWA? Um, I knew a handful of the people that worked at WWA or around WWA, and I had been looking for a while to get in to the inside of the wrestling business. Um, I had attempted to start my own promotion in Amarillo in 1995. Didn't work out. Uh, I tried again in 2000. Didn't work out. And then when I found out WWA was running, and before I knew about any of the other stuff going on with the drama of Amarillo wrestling, um, I started coming to shows at Independence Hall. And I liked a lot of the characters. I thought there was some good stuff going on, but I just didn't think that the show was running very consistently as far as telling stories, um, getting people over like I thought they could get over, Mm -hmm. uh, utilizing people the way I thought they could be utilized. And uh, I just approached the owner. I approached the owner and I was like, hey, I'd love to, to try my hand at, at booking stories and matches. And, um, you know, I, I was met with resistance from some people. Um, so I decided to uh, go out and I do the... Are you there? Yeah, t- I yep. just said typical. Yeah, there, there's always going to be mm-hmm. someone that doesn't want you there. Yeah, and I found out they were going to lose their building. And they were looking for another building. And in the meantime, they needed to run shows. So I decided to prove myself to the owner and uh, try to prove myself to the guys. And out of my own pocket, I went out and I funded a show and uh, got them a a, a temporary place to to have a show at. I got them uh, into a high school gym or a junior high gymnasium. Uh, And the plan was to do a tour around the city for two months of uh, junior high school gymnasiums while we told these stories, had the fans follow us around till the new venue was done. And we had that first show. It was booked out. Everybody knew what was going on. And then somebody on the inside got involved and uh, they didn't want me to do anything and they changed everything. And it ended up being a really awful show. Hmm. Um, And the roster basically turned on that person and everybody backed me and I created a contract with the owner that said, uh, give me six months. And if I don't show you with the attendance and with, you know, the show itself, if if you feel like I haven't done a good job, I'll walk away. But at the end of six months, uh, he tore up the contract and I was the full-time booker till the end. Ah, so the truth came out. Yeah. Hell yeah. It always does, doesn't it? And then all the, then all the troublemakers, after about three or four weeks of me being in charge, all the troublemakers went to the competition show. Uh, and so we just took the mid card that was not being focused on 
and we spent two years building our own stars and our own homegrown roster. And by the time the final year of WWA, uh, before we had to close our doors, we had the best business we'd ever had. We were bringing in more stars than we'd ever brought in, and we were had the largest crowd we have crowds we'd ever had on a weekly basis. It took a couple of years, but uh, you know we were doing really really well before we had to give up the venue. So you're doing this weekly? We were doing it weekly at WWA. Wow. Yeah. I yeah, could never yeah, do every it week. Show. I could never do a weekly show again. I would never be involved in a weekly show again. It's too much. No, I, I understand shit. Morales and I did three shows this week in a, in a documentary. I'm, t- I'm tired as shit. <laughs> I don't know how I did and, and when I was doing the weekly show, I was almost 500 pounds. Uh, and now, I mean, right now I'm like 350. You working so on I it? Was, I was, oh, oh, you mean not? I, uh, two years ago, I got up to 565, and I was pretty much near death. Uh, I had surgery, and I, at this point now, you know, I've lost almost 220 pounds. Well, I'm so. proud of you, man. Like, uh, let, let, let's let's shine a light on that. Like, I, I I was curious about this because I've been seeing all these delicious uh, meals that you've been posting, man. You 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 cook curry. Like, I was like, damn. I'm in culinary school online. Uh, I, I do culinary as well as my regular job. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I, I want to talk about this. This is, this is a this is a very important thing, especially after. after I'm sorry if if if, if you got if, if we need to change change yeah, subjects, just good. just give me the X. No, we're good. We're good. I don't care. I'm fine. No, th- this, this is something that people need to understand. Is uh, there comes a moment when you got to make a choice. Yep. What was what was that moment for you? Uh, there was a point, uh, I would say, oh, May or June of 2018, um, my ex-wife and I, uh, separated and things were really, really bad personally with me. Um, I was going through a severe depression. Um, I... I, I was sleeping in a recliner because I couldn't lay flat in a bed without fear of dying in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really bad. I was almost 600 pounds. Um, and I just, I, I had a wake up call because, you know, I, we separated, I moved home with my mother and my, I had my daughter in the car with me one day and, you know, she was just, crying about the fact that I wasn't at home anymore. And she told me how much she needed me in her life. Mm-hmm. And at that moment it clicked with me. I was like, I've got to be here for my kid. And so I started doing the research, had consultations, went on the six month diet, took the dietary courses. And then in February of 2019, I had gastric sleeve surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we've been, you know, we're about, we're two years and roughly almost four months out and I'm 230 some odd pounds down and will probably live another 20 or 30 years longer than I planned on. If you don't mind me. That's awesome. Extremely awesome. And and I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that with us because that's a hard thing. Um, If you don't mind me asking, what was the problem? Was it food? Was it booze? Was it depression? (laughs) No, it was it was uh, absolutely food. 
Um, it was uh, eating out of boredom, eat, eating out of my feelings. It mm -hmm. was basically using food as an emotional crutch. Right. Um, if I was pissed off, upset, sad, uh, tired, whatever it was, I would satiate myself by gorging myself with food and uh, taking no exercise and just figuring, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'll, I'll basically accepting that at some point I'm going to die from this mm -hmm. and it's not a big deal, whatever, because I never, up until I had my daughter, I never had anybody that uh, I really felt like would miss me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it just, but everything kind of came crashing down with, you know, my marriage and, and everything like that. And so realizing that I had this, you know, at the time, this seven-year-old girl who wanted me to see her graduate high school, wanted me to see her get married, wanted me to see her have kids. Um, I had to be here for that. And so I knew that the only way I was going to be able to do it was to have the surgery because with the surgery, they take my stomach, which was the size of a football, and they turned it into the size of a banana. And I can only eat a certain amount of food at a time or I, or I make myself sick. Right. And I have to eat certain kinds of foods because if I don't get what I need as far as like protein and hydration and things like that, I can end up in the hospital. So basically having the surgery took my choices away from me, which is what I needed. I needed structure. I'm a very, I'm a structure person. I cannot do seat of the pants, skin of the teeth. I don't, I don't know how people live like that. So um, now I'm completely comfortable with how I have to eat. I'm hardly ever hungry. Um, I don't really have the twinge to eat anymore. I eat when I have to eat. I eat when I know I have to. Um, I eat when I'm, what I know is necessary. And I'm totally happy with that situation because it's the structure that I needed. And now that I have that, that, that feeling of needing to eat in my feelings all the time, that doesn't exist anymore. So I'm, I'm totally in a good place. I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I want to go a little bit further on this because I was listening. I, I, one of my best friends used to be, uh, she used to be a big girl. And... Mm -hmm. My mom used to be a big girl. I remember laying motherfuckers out anytime anyone said that, uh, you know, my mom was fat. And I, I remember being proud. Like, uh, it was like a year ago I told her. It's like, man, I used to get in so many fights if someone called my it called you fat. And I was proud of it, man. I, I, it, I, didn't, I didn't hesitate. But what I did telling her that had the opposite effect. She's like, I'm sorry I was so fat you had to defend me. Yeah. And... And I was like, that, well, they most of these guys didn't even see my mom, but even though, you know, elementary school, middle school, that sort of thing. But the other thing is, is that my homegirl was telling me about the addiction to food. Now, it's easy to hear about the addiction mm -hmm. to booze, heroin, oxy, perks. It, 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 you, people know those stories. It, it, it's, it's in our peripheral. But I was listening to a podcast the other day, and this girl was talking about her addiction to food. And she said, I used to set a timer. And timer, like, okay, like a uh, timer to, uh, like a mental timer. Uh, at this time, I need to eat. No. It was a countdown of when I'm allowed to eat because I wanted food that bad. 
And it was exactly like what you were talking about, about it was uh, eat your feelings. You hear that phrase a lot, but when it's when it's the point where it's all you want and it's not even getting you fucked up like like booze or, or drugs. It, it, but here's the kicker. You can get food anywhere. Yeah. Liquor store might be closed. Your weed guy might not answer his phone. But you can get food anywhere. Easily. Yep. And McDonald's is 24 hours, 24 hours. Exactly. And that is, that's a big deal. And I, I, I really appreciate sharing that with me because that's a perspective. A lot of people don't understand. I mean, yeah, you can sign up for DDP. Yeah. You can, you know, get your gym membership, go for a week and then, you know, cancel your, your, uh, checking account because it's <laughs> the only way you're going to stop them from charging you. Um, but you're in a better mindset. How did this mm. mindset help you with SCP and building the Fed? Because obviously it probably suffered around an addiction. Well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard. Um, at the time when I was at my lowest, uh, I think in a way SCP probably helped extend my life a little longer because I feel like maybe if I didn't have SCP to focus on six times a year, yeah. every other month, prepare and get ready for that show. I think if I hadn't had that distraction, I, I don't know if I'd be here right now because that distraction, uh, again, you know, like it gave me something else to worry about. And even though the worrying sometimes would lead to the crazy eating, there were times when, you know, I might have had uh, 30 or 40 extra dollars in my pocket that I could have gone to McDonald's and, and just blown it completely and just ordered bags and bags of food to sit at home and eat. But then I was like, you know what? I probably need that money for gas so I can get down to Lubbock in a couple of weeks. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, there, there's, there's elements of it that probably helped. Um, but it was, sometimes it was difficult to focus as well. Um, and, I, and I'm not going to say that I had any creative low points. Um, I feel like there were times when I definitely probably, I definitely could have put more effort into like seeking out some more sponsors and, and doing stuff like that, you know, maybe. But I think when it comes to the, the the show though, when it comes to the stories and the characters, I feel like that has always been something that's I really try to focus heavily on so much so that one of the contentious elements of my previous marriage was that in the month before an SCP show, I would be so unavailable to my family that, you know, that was one of the things was like, I wish you would focus on us the way you focus on this wrestling. And so, you know, that, and, and I completely get that. That I, I do, when it comes to the wrestling, sometimes I've got a one-track mind. Um, but it's because I'm so passionate about it. I, I, let it. I let it dominate my mind in the weeks leading up to it. Wrestling is life, man, and uh, it's a hundred percent life. And it's one of my favorite things to hear from anyone we have on the show is how it changed their life and how it made them better. And that's all they they fucking focus on. 
it, it, we've got Mr. Morales who comes, it, uh, his, his wife, and I'm not going to talk too much about, uh, about Mrs. Morales, but she's extremely supportive of wrestling. You know, she came from a, a wrestling background. It's, it's not, yeah. I mean, he, he, he lucked out, man. Like, uh, I hope I get lucky and find a girl that, uh, that is cool with the wrestling because, uh, any girl mm-hmm. I've dated since I got back into wrestling about since 2015 was like, God, that's all you think about. Are you give a shit about comic books and wrestling? And I'm like, well, uh, I really can't think of anything else that's better. <laughs> At all. Like, uh, <laughs> no. Like, there's... It's not an addiction. It's it's camaraderie. It's violence. It's soap opera stories. I mean, you can't, you can't give me a soap opera and not expect me to watch. I grew up watching Days of Our Lives, man. Stefano DeMiro had kidnapped Marlena, and, and she was possessed by the yeah. fucking devil, man. That was the shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was and uh why would i not why would i not care about that more than regular ass life <laughs> um see and i was and i'm a days of our lives uh kid from even before that i was a days of our lives kid when stefano demero was first introduced ooh. into uh sailing you're and, og uh, stefano nice <laughs> that's why it's days of our lives is why I never blinked when Fake Razor and Fake Diesel came in because in Soul Operas, they change actors to play different same characters all the time. Yeah, they do. You, you tune into an episode of Days of Our Lives one week and they'd say the role of so-and-so is now being played by blah, blah, blah. Okay, fuck it. So, <laughs> when JR decided to introduce the new Razor and the new Diesel, I didn't give a shit that it wasn't Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Those are Razor and Diesel as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Wait a second. Isn't that Kane? No, not Kane. I got him spacing on his goddamn really name. It was Isaac Yankum. Isaac, yeah, Isaac Yankum. Yankum. <laughs> it was Isaac Yankum before Kane. But real quick, Rick, I want to get into the – because, like, WWA was such a – you know, it was, it was passion. It was – there was – like we all, from day one, literally, we had our backs against the walls. Oh, yeah. you, know, you can't you can't say otherwise. We you had the competition breathing down our neck, and they were willing to go to some low low depths without without getting into specifics. We all know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. that was some dirty pool, dude. That was dirty pool. But the thing the thing is, you know, when because I was just I was four years in. And handed the trainer position because I was the only guy that had a clue in theory was the way they were looking at it. You, at the exact same time, you were coming basically off of the street as a fan and, you know, were given this huge responsibility to basically save this Fed on a, on a mental aspect. Mm-hmm. And we, we all, you know, and like you said, within the first two months, the entire run of main event guys from the last six months, at least prior, were gone. Yeah. So, like, that's because, your... that's, that's because they were all used to working with each other. Mm-hmm. They were all they, they were all connected to the previous booker, and the previous booker would book himself and his buddies around the top stories. And then they would hold everybody else underneath the glass ceiling 
and only bring them up long enough to jog them out and send them back down. Yep. And when I came on board, I saw, okay, you've got six or seven guys that are top guys that our fans recognize as top guys. And then you've got three or four that we could get into the top tier because of their abilities in the ring, you being one of them. And then we've got all these other characters underneath that with the right booking and the right character development, we could make some solid mid-card people and start building them so that maybe a year, two years from now, they'll be viable on top. And so that was my plan. And once those top supers that I called the superstars, once the superstars realized that they were going to have to be working with these young, these undercard people to help get them over, they all took off because yep. they were like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I was left two, you know, um, uh, two months before what would have been our WrestleMania, the second collision course, the, the, the two months before I was left with 12 to 15 people who had had brushes with the top of the card, but always in a jobbing capacity, no real focus, no real character development. And so I was essentially handed a roster of misfits to start from scratch. And so we had to do that. And like I said, but here's the thing, that was January of 07. Yep. And by the time we got through the summer of 07, we had figured out who was viable, who wasn't, where we could go with it. And then 08 was about bringing in new people, trying to add to the roster, bringing in regular out-of-towners, getting a, a regular roster built. That by the time 2009 came around, we, we had regular big stars coming in. We had a regular roster. But, you know, it, it took some real work. But it, we had to get through the initial drama of people just not wanting to progress and not wanting to do anything more than their uh, weekend hobby. That's it. Yeah. No, it was it, it was definitely a struggle. Like I said, you had that, you had the outside sources basically telling people what they wanted to hear. You know, we we had a you know, we had the occasional infighting. You know, it was a, bit. a hugely just dysfunctional family you could uh-huh. put it. Yep. But you know, when when push come to shove, the guys that stayed, you know, we had each other's backs. You know, we were able to be able to grow as a is. unit. SCP would not be as functionally run and structured as well as it is if it had not been for the four years of WWA. Because that show, going back and looking at those four years, there's a lot of stuff in those four years that I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that I thought was really, really well done. But that four years was more of a lesson in what not to do for me, mm-hmm. because there's so much of it now that I look back on that I'm like, ooh, that wasn't good. Or, oh, no, that was, that was very dangerous. We probably should have done that. Um, there's so much now that when guys come to me and they say, I want to do this or I want to do this or I want to do that, I immediately go back to WWA and be like, well, that sounds a lot like this, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> Just because I, I think that that's a bad idea. And I very much believe that those who do not learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. 
Yeah, hey, that's a, and so 100%. I'm very, very big on learning from the past. Yeah, like what? What would like what? Uh, what other lessons could you really say that you got from your time at WWA that you have specifically utilized in SCP now? Um, good question. Trusting, trusting the talent at the same time as I'm trying to structure the talent. I think that I, I, I love the fact that so many people in SCP I can give direction to and they can go out and execute it exactly the way I wanted them to do it. But I also feel like at WWA, I was so specific in the way I wanted things from a storyline standpoint that too many times I would try to interject myself in the physic on, on the uh, explaining how the physicality should go. Oh. I'm not a wrestler. And I don't, I don't know all the transitions. I don't know all the right spots. I'm not a ring general. Um, I, I can tell you what a few bullet points that I think are important. I can tell you about some moments that I think would be cool and might fit. And I feel like sometimes, more times than not, I feel like I can give you a good finish. But I need the, the people who can actually wrestle to be the ones who structure that match. So that's one of the reasons why I utilize people like Mike Caldwell and Nolan Phillips and Ryan Justice and Damian Blood and yourself and uh, and Brett, you know, I, 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 there's so many guys that I will go to and say, here's what I want to see. Now you figure out how that happens. Because I feel like I need to trust them to get from point A to point B. And if I can't trust them to do it, like the specific person, I make sure they're in the ring with someone who can. How do you, how do you total handle, sense. How do you handle them with the story, though? Well, it's like, okay, um, okay, for instance, uh, I will tell, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of communication. And I am in constant communication with my roster. Um, I mean, from, like, we just had a show this past weekend, okay? Mm -hmm. And... The night after the, the night of the show, I went out to eat with about 12 of the guys. And the entire time we were out eating, we were talking about July 24th. Oh. And I was letting them know kind of what my plans were for the whole card. And I was kind of I, I was getting feedback, instant feedback. Does this sound like this works? Does this sound like this works? And once I got everybody's buy-in. And I decided what I wanted to do. Then over the next two months, as we get to July 24th, I will have little conversations with everybody on the card, whether it be on the phone, through messenger, through text, whatever. I will constantly be talking with them. I will be updating our SCP page on Facebook, our private page. And they will know 100% headed into that show what the storyline is where it's going and hopefully they'll know 
what, you know, what they're doing July 24th, what they're doing on September 18th, and what they're doing on November 20th to end the year so that they understand every step I'm taking has to point towards this date or this date or this date. We don't take any steps that don't build to the next step of the story. And so it's all very, very structured like that, but I get their buy-in. I tell them the story. I let them understand the story. I let them tell me what they think about it, whether they have any additions, subtractions, whatever. We talk about it on a regular basis until we get to that production meeting day of the show. And then I run everything down for everybody there so everyone knows. And at that point, if we have any changes, it needs to be made right now. If it doesn't, the second you walk away from this meeting, this is concrete, get it done, and it's how we're doing it. Awesome. That's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of passion, but it's also not leaving people in the dark. That's, uh, it's that's... also the reason why our show always runs on time. We were seven minutes ahead the entire night last weekend. We were seven minutes ahead the entire night to the point that we extended the intermission and I had to I had to add a promo to the show so that, you know, and so when does that normally you see people scrambling all the time? Oh, my God, we're out of time. Ooh, yeah. This match went over. You see that all the time. We and we did and we did this past weekend. We did that show or none of our headsets and microphones work like for some reason we couldn't get it to work. And we always have a chaos channel where yeah. we can call audible, talk to each other. We did all that completely without communication while the show was going on because everybody is so informed and we have the formats and we have the timing and we have that production meeting. There's no question. They know what they need to do and they go out there and they do it. Now that makes and me I happy to hear. That makes me very happy to yeah, hear. And the other piece of it too, and, and I, this, this, is probably going to rub somebody the wrong way who hears it, but it, it's just, it's just the, it's just the facts and the facts are this more times than not when workers are also bookers shows don't run as well. Because oh yeah. They're distracted. When you are the one of the boys and you have a pencil, not only do you probably have your own agenda, you're far too distracted in what's going on. Somebody like me, who may be a character in the show, a loose character, an authority character, yeah. I may add some sizzle to the stake. I have no personal agenda in any match or anything like that other than, does this show make sense? Are we running on time? And are we getting shit taken care of? Other than that, I am, I'm not a worker, and I believe that's why we run so well because the person who's in charge is somebody who doesn't have their own personal fucking agenda. That's a big deal. That's uh, it's, it's always, uh, it's always an issue when someone else, you know, takes over, you know, a lot of the boys start questioning like, Oh great. You know, I'm gonna lose my spot because this guy's got his own boys. And I've seen it like, for example, um, I've seen it happen a few times, but it's, I've seen it happen really well sometimes though, where, where people were, were worried about it and things went out really, really, really well. Um, and you just gotta hope for the best. Um, 
let's talk about the workers because a lot of people will will brag about yeah. um oh, we had this big ass name we had this big ass name i i want to know who was the slow burn the, the someone that you that you believed in that absolutely like took off like like that a lot of people weren't maybe even thinking about we're going to take off because I, I, I feel that I felt that way about, and I, I mentioned it before and Tony knows it. I, I felt that way about Abaddon because when I, the first time I saw her in Rocky mountain pro, I was like, Oh my God, I love this girl. She's fucking great. The the potential is great. And I'd be yeah. in the, I'd be in a locker room and I'd hear a lot of fuck her. She's just doing the holiday bullshit. Another goddamn goth chick. And I'm thinking like, all right, all right. I hear it. I hear it. And then when, but when I heard, uh, when, when she made all elite, same guys that were saying fuck her you know you know another goddamn goth chick were like oh i'm so proud of her but not me me it was it was i was i I felt so vindicated like like i I felt so vindicated like i i believed in her at first sight and you've got to have a couple of the guys uh you you felt the same way too oh yeah and and you know in scp well, let's go back to WWA. Okay. In WWA, remember, I was a fan. I was sitting in the I was sitting in the crowd, and I watched. I think I watched five shows before I made my pitch. And watching those five shows, I noticed there were two characters that stood out for me immediately, and one of the characters was Damian Blood. Nice. Who I noticed the crowd was behind him the moment that I saw the moment, the very very first show I ever went to. Wonderful gentleman, by the way. Wonderful gentleman. And and he was so popular to the point that one of the shows I was at as a fan, they had an intermission that was scheduled for 15 minutes that ended up going 45 minutes because the line to get a picture and autograph with him was that long. Nice. And that same show, that same show, after he had spent 45 minutes taking pictures and autographs, in the main event, they turned him heel. Oh. Same show. Wonderful. And it went over like a fart. And I thought to myself, man, if there's anybody that I feel like I could help, it would be that guy. And then I also noticed that there was, there was a match on one of the shows, and I believe, and then Morales can correct me here, but I'm pretty sure that the match was between yourself and I believe your opponent, I believe your opponent was Rob. Rising. At, at Independence Hall. Did you wrestle Rob at Independence Hall? We, we tagged one time actually against Damian and Jason Gore, but we never, I don't think we had a singles match there. Okay, then it may have then it may not have been it may not have been him. You're talking about Ryzen? But I remember Morales having Yeah. Yes, yes. Um I remember I remember Morales having a match and I remember saying to myself, This is the only guy on this show that I think is an actual wrestler. Ooh. And I thought everybody else out there was like mostly a backyard kid trying to pretend to wrestle. Cosplayers. And some of them had great character. And some of them had great characters, but they just weren't that great in the ring. And you, and sometimes good booking can hide 
the flaws in the ring if you have a good character to expound upon. But at some point, you're going to have to you're going to have to show them something physical. And so I remember Morales and Damien being the two right away that stuck out. And I think that, you know, Morales, when I took over as Booker, realizing that Morales was in charge of the training and that he, you know, when I decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to book this show. We're going to have our first big deal. I had to, I had to crown a new champion because the guy who was holding the title was in Dallas and he wasn't coming back. And so I had to crown a new champion. So I wanted to do a, a matinee and a night show on our anniversary show. It was going to be the first time we ever did an anniversary. And we were going to do a, a, a daytime show and a nighttime show that had a tournament that ran over both shows. And I chose Morales to be the champion. He was going to be the champion because I was like, not only is this guy running the training center, not only is he training all these kids, he's the only person here that can actually wrestle believably that is not going to be a complete asshole and, and walk away because they don't like how they're being booked. And so I was like, I'm going to have to put yeah. the on, on him. And, I'm still and, here 15 years later, so I guess he wasn't and wrong. He was, and he was the first WWA champion of my booking tenure. He was the first champion that I crowned. And Damien became, at, once we got past our first collision course show, Damien became the breakout babyface that I used. And so to see them both in part of SCP now is very, very exciting and very humbling to me because they're two guys, again, they're two of the guys that I've been with the longest and I have the longest tenure with as a booker because they were there from day one. But at the same time, they are also two guys that I know I can go to at any moment and say, here's what I need to get done, make it happen. Right. And, and they just go make it happen. And I don't have to, we don't have to have a four hour meeting about why this is happening. Just, just go do it. Right. And they do it. And the fact that they're now getting into this place where they're gonna be in a storyline together for the first time in years. It's like, literally been a decade, you, yeah. You have no idea how much fun this is gonna end up being. I, I have because a general they, idea, but not. I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to Disneyland yet, but I have a good idea of what it's gonna be like. <laughs> it's, I'm telling you. It's, it's like Disneyland with chainsaws. Look, let, let's be very honest. Let's be very, I'll be very, very honest because I'm, I'm not going to pull punches. I'm going to tell the way that it is. You look at the people involved. You've got Morales, you've got Lilith, and you've got Damien. Those are your constants. Right. There's going to be other characters that are going to come in and out, but those are your constants, okay? These are all people who are very capable of being the main event on a show. They're very capable of being the main event on a show. This storyline is very much being used as an upper mid-card storyline. But here's the thing, no matter where I put it on the card, the, the, the story itself, because of who's involved, could very easily evolve into the biggest thing that we do over the next year. Wonderful. Because of the people involved and what they're all going to be willing to do to bring it to a place where it needs to be. But again, that's, it's because I think that there's a comfortable uh, place with them, with me, with the relationship that we have professionally and personally, that, you know, they, they all, 
you know, we had, you know, Damien and Lil came to me and they're like, look, you know, we want to do this thing with Morales. And Morales is like, yeah, let's do this. And so we're good. We're going to do it. And like just this first show, the, just the interaction that they had out there in the ring on promos, just talking back and forth, all of that got very personal and very real. But the thing was, is that it was good because they were all so, it was so easy for them to say those things and do those things because they're all so comfortable. Yeah, it's been over a decade since they've done anything together, but you wouldn't know that if you were somebody that just listened to that promo, you'd be like, oh shit, these guys have been working together for years because it was just so easy to go out there and do it, you know? And, and I love that. And there's people at SCP that I'm also feel the same way about Morales, I do about Morales and Damien, that like when I took over SCP, certain people were gonna, you know, they started off there like JC Bravo. And I'm not gonna take credit for JC Bravo because Bravo was a, already a name. He worked for Anarchy and other places. He was already a name when SCP started. Now, But he was in the very, go ahead. Now, but uh, I, I... I, I, I don't want to stop you, but I have to because you're just as passionate about wrestling as we are. Um, yeah. Before we move on from what you're going on to, um, you're, you're talking about, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, and you're talking about a story that writes itself. Mm-hmm. How many times, did, well, let me phrase that. Do you not worry about the stories that write themselves? Because every time I, I hear those stories that write themselves, or oh, obviously this is going to happen, when the fans get what they expect, what they expect, whether or not something's going to happen in particular, specifically in a storyline, or whether or not uh, it's going to be as good as they anticipate, I see a lot of times that they're like, I didn't want this. Like, <laughs> like uh, it, it worries me when I, when I hear... And again, I know it's going to be good. I'm, I'm not discrediting what you're saying. What I'm saying is, 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 is the wild card factor here. The fact that a lot of times the fans don't know what they want. And when they think they know what they want, when they get it, they're like, I didn't want it. Like, this isn't what I wanted or, or, or change their mind. That will, that will happen regardless of whether or not a story writes itself or not. If I write something down on paper and we spend months and months and months getting there and we tell the story exactly the way that it was supposed to go, right? they're either going to buy it or they're not. And if the story evolves and they buy it, great. If it evolves and they don't, that's fine. The key to making that work either way is listening to the fans and not necessarily booking for them but knowing when to pull the trigger on something, knowing when not to milk it anymore, right. knowing when they're ready to be done. And if you can tell that they're done, then be done with it and do something else. I think that um, one of the worst things you can do is stick to your guns, is just stick to your guns and not be willing to pivot if you feel the fans telling you to pivot do you have like contingency and, plans for these sort of things like like where if this goes wrong we do this i always have always always one of, okay let me let me give you an example please this last show that we, this last show that we did we had an angle that's been taking place between the characters of brian rage rivera and draven reeds and it's been building since january okay so 
the angle is between the two of them. But what I did was because I needed a little extra piece in that moment. Uh, Brian was going to use a chair to hurt Draven. And we didn't want that to actually happen here. So I needed somebody to stop it. Okay. Well, there wasn't really anybody that I could, I didn't have a plan for somebody to go out there, a specific person to go out there and stop it. So as we were getting to that point where we knew we were going to need somebody, I decided, okay, I've got this character, Phoenix, who's a big baby face for us. He's kind of a Stone Cold Steve Austin-ish type of character. And he's got his own storyline going on right now with somebody completely different. They have no connection whatsoever to Brian and Draven. But Phoenix and Brian have had matches in the past. Our crowd knows that they were both in the title hunt at one point. So by sending Phoenix out to stop Brian from attacking Draven, it gets a pop from the crowd and Brian backs down so that he can get Draven at another time. So we've got a continuance. Yeah. But then Phoenix helps Draven up off the mat and Phoenix raises Draven's hand. So he essentially puts a top tier babyface stamp on this young kid. Of course. And we've, so what we've done is we've not only enhanced the Brian Draven stuff by adding in a new factor, we've planted a seed because yeah. at some point Brian and Draven's story is going to end. And at some point, Phoenix and Mikey's story is going to end. And then right then at that moment, I can put something in place to hearken back to this previous show, and Brian and Phoenix are off to the races. Organic storytelling. I love it. That's the key, is you've always got to have, because you never know. There's there's injuries. There's plane flights. Who didn't show up? Who's got heat? Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. So you have have a plan A, B, C, D, E, and on down. Yeah. And and because if you have rich storytelling and if you have a contingency plan at all times, then you can pivot immediately. Agreed. Agreed. And and that's what that's one of the things that I pride myself on being able to do is to pivot out of something that didn't work or something that can't happen, and now let's go do this. We can always come back to this, but let's do this right now and make it work. Brother, I wish I could hug you right now, man. That's that, that's uh, that's good <laughs> shit. That, that's that's the way it should go down. You, you need to you need to be on some of the uh, when we do the Minefields comics episodes. I'm sorry if there's some background noise, guys. Uh, I had to open my window. It's a scorching 65 degrees here in Colorado. Um, <laughs> uh, it's hot. It's it's hot. Uh, the when when we do minefields about comics, it, it's not about like whether or not that Sp- Spider Man punched this guy and it was so cool that Bane broke Batman's back. No, it was the, it was the build up. It was the storyline. Like essentially, when when you listen to minefields when we do comics, it's a writer's workshop because we we dissect it as writers and it was a it was a it wasn't a hard sell but it was definitely something that morales i don't believe was uh he was reluctant to accept that he's a storyteller that he's a writer 
I mean, he doesn't put things down all the time on paper, but he's a writer. And then when he fell into the, uh, you know, the cogs and the, uh, you know, etherealness of what Minefields is, and Minefields is walking through Minefields. So we, we, we interviewed uh, Miss Alexis, uh, Miss Alexis Vane the other day. Like, who would have thought we would have had a, a, a drag queen on the show? But she had, a, she had an amazing. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, a lot, well, a lot of our, a lot of our people don't know us. Know us that the you know, what what we deem is good art. And you're telling me about good art. You're telling me about good art and how it plans. Man, Connor, Connor needs to punch you right in the face right now. <laughs> little like he's got little. There he is. He's Connor, like, say hi. Eddie Van Halen. He's in, his, he's in his game. Oh, hold on, hold he's on. Into his game. Hold on. Go, go back to Connor and and Rick. Tell me, this kid does not look like Eddie Van Halen from the Jump video. Oh, he absolutely does. <laughs> that's a, that's a cute that's a cute damn kid, man. That's a cute kid. I just uh, I just I'm just really wanting to just punch Morales in the face. I get that a lot. <laughs> But uh, it's uh, kind of my thing. As we're winding, they down, never do though. But. <laughs> well, you're a scary guy sometimes, man. But uh, as we're winding down, uh, I, I don't know. I'm everybody's friend. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I am in no way being paid or threatened in any way whatsoever to agree with you on that particular subject that we just discussed. <laughs> Uh, everyone read the teleprompter. Yeah, we got. Oh, oh uh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to read. That's why I do. That's why we do things on Skype. Um, one of my first impressions of you was your passion for the business, and your breakdown of the demographics. You, you, you've got the numbers memorized. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, one of the things I hear from the internet community is what they don't like. I don't ever see or read anything, <coughs> excuse me, of what a breakdown of how they would fix it and why it would work. Now, or, or, or people presenting solutions. <coughs> Goddamn. Sorry, guys. It's so much easier to bitch. It's just easier to bitch and drive. But... You, you, you're, 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 before we got started, uh, actually, right when we did get started, you were going off about, um, essentially the difference between like live indie shows and what's on the television and the problem with what's on the television. What is the problem flat out with what's on the television? Ollie, Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan. WWE, Raw, SmackDown, what's the problem? Okay. Uh, I think that one of the reasons why people can't figure out how to fix the problems is because they don't understand what got them to the problem. Okay. And I think what got us to where we are you have to. I have to apologize. My dog's losing. No, no worries, man. Um, one of the things that got us here was the smart fans 
the internet fans, right. smart fans. Rag sheet readers, rag sheet posters. They, those guys, those guys made so much noise. Cooper, shut up. Those guys made so much noise around the 2006, 7, 8 eras about how there was not enough wrestling on television. Okay. That it was too much talking, too many angles, too many characters, but not enough work rate. Um, you had promotions like Ring of Honor that were all great. You had New Japan coming into its own with the Wrestle Kingdoms, all work rate. And you had this, this small section, but very vocal section of the audience that were pushing for this change in the direction of television wrestling. And then if you notice, when NXT evolved, they took most of their talent from Ring of Honor. Yeah. And so these guys who were internet darlings, Tyler your Sammy Zanes, your Kevin Owens, your Jennifer Bryans, your Seth Rollins, your Cesaro, all these guys who were the internet darlings because they came from the work rate promotions are now on the big stage and systematically over a period of time, once we get into to 2010, 11, 12, 13, more and more of the televised wrestling is becoming 10 and 15 minute matches versus what used to be three and four minute matches. And the amount of talking is starting to decrease, albeit becoming extremely scripted more than ever. Okay. But the wrestling product started to change to a more smart mark point of view. Agreed. And in that period of time, the ratings also started to decrease significantly because the casual viewer started to leave because the wrestling that they wanted to see, the sizzle more than the steak, was gone. You know, it's... it's, and it's the, it's one of those things when you talk comics with somebody or you talk wrestling with someone, um, you, you test them. You test them and you ask them like that, that secret question. And if they get it right, then they might be up to your level of fandom. And, and, and that's kind of bullshit. Actually, it's 100% bullshit. Like, whether or not I have a red like X amount of comics and read every legendary storyline doesn't mean jack shit because whether or not it boils down to what you're enjoying. You could have just found Spider-Man. You could have just found Spider-Man. You could have just found Deadpool, bought a couple of bullshit trade paperbacks that weren't as good as the ones that you'd recommend that were the best ones, but they still enjoy the shit out of it. And the, 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 the smart marks really take the fun out of things sometimes because, like, like I still have a Bullet Club giant patch in the back of my vest. You saw it. But should I still be wearing that Bullet Club vest? Uh, sh should I? I mean, like, does Bullet Club really matter anymore? Matters to me. Doesn't matter to a lot of other people. But... You get the division I'm talking about, whether or not it's current, whether or not I'm as hardcore as I should be. 
And I, I feel that's that's uh, one of the frequencies that's vibrating on what, what you're talking about. Now, how because you had some issues about dynamite, and one of the things that stood out to me what you're saying was that you've got a, a promoter, a, a, a booker, the main booker, the owner, that's only known anything about wrestling for, well, I mean, he, the guy's like, from what they, they build up, he's the most legendary wrestling fan of all time and knows what where the sun was in the sky when this happened in ECW. Um, but he is, even though regardless of what he was doing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he is still technically a two-year-old booker. With with some some heavy hitters in his ear, and that's what you were that's what you were talking about, and that, that made perfect sense because you've got all these guys that think they know what's best because hey you know we're the elite, no doubt you're the elite, but now you know, tell me. I I think I think that you know the fact that Tony Khan is a fan, right. Is a good right. thing, of course, because he he wants to make sure that the fans have a good time, of course, and he wants to make sure that they get what they, what they may not be getting from WWE, and that's all well and good. Because I was a fan, and I wanted people to get something out of the WWE product that I felt like they weren't getting because it wasn't the way that I thought it needed to be. The difference between myself and Tony Khan is that I didn't have a million dollar budget. And I also didn't have seven guys who had been at the top of cards across the world telling me what all works and allowing them to influence the fact that Logically, I know that it shouldn't be this way, but but I'm going to let them do what they want, of course, on my team. And I think that what is happening with AEW right now, even though fans probably don't want to realize it, what's happening there right now is the same thing that happened to Dixie Carter with TNA once Bischoff and all them got there, and it's the same thing that happened to WCW. Um, around the time that uh, the NWO got on it, it, it's it's the same thing that happens everywhere that you've got a lot of money in one place and a ton of people floating around it that want a piece of that pie. And at the same time, you've got the guy in charge doesn't have the know the know the the wherewithal the know it all of how to cherry pick the good ideas and tell everybody else no. Of course, one of the reasons that WWE runs so well, regardless of whether or not their stories are good, regardless of whether or not they're doing the right thing with their characters, the reason that their show structure and their business model works so well is because at the end of the day there's only one person in charge yes and that's Vince McMahon. of course and everywhere else yes. it's always the black a money mark being influenced by a bunch yeah. of people who want his money not the black and i uh, think that that's the main problem the what is happening with aew and why it makes me so sad as a mm. fan because 
AEW, I feel like if AEW fails, <laughs> and they're not anywhere near ready to fail, don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. They've of got course. a lot of time on their TV deal. They've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of irons in the fire. But five years from now, if AEW <laughs> fails, that might be the last chance that anybody had to get television networks or streaming services to give wrestling a chance. And I don't want them to blow it because Vince's best work happened when his back was against the wall and he was getting his ass kicked every week. Yeah, 98, 99. And if AEW is not around to kick Vince's ass, then we're just going to get what we're getting. And I don't want AEW to mess that up because they're so concerned with providing content to the 900,000 smart marks that are watching their product. Correct. Because at the end of the day, when you've got a billion dollar company with a five year, three year deal on a major cable network, and you can't draw regularly a million people on post. Bringing in a Shaq or a Mike Tyson or somebody like that, yeah, there's a there's a problem. That's uh, whether your graphic is good or not. There's a problem, and it's only going to get worse. I agree, unless you know he takes charge, fully takes charge. Uh, I think he's there's only so long the inmates can run the asylum, and I think that it's getting to that point. And I would be remiss. If I did say, because I'm a big person that I believe if you're going to bitch about something, you better have a solution to Agreed. That's why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. Not that you didn't have a solution, but you were the guy to give us a solution. No. I think that right now, the AEW product is leagues better than it was a year ago. Okay? And I think that's because Tony Khan is starting to take more of a hands-on. And I think if he continues on the pattern he's on right now, a year down the line, it'll be even better. I do think that some things are happening that are positive, and it may take him a good three or four years to get to a place where he's comfortable to say, absolutely, this is the way that it is, and there's no wiggle room. And if if his network partners stick with him, and keep giving him these opportunities to prove that they can do it, then they're probably going to be in a good place because they have a fairly good structure for being only two years in and they're already profitable. That's amazing. No, I'm, so I, I, that's I agree. Stuff. I but agree. I think that the main thing that AEW needs to do is the exact opposite of what WWE needs to do. I think that... AEW needs to stop booking towards the indie guys. Ooh. And when I say indie guys, I'm talking about the fans, the indie fans. Okay, okay. They need to, they need to start treating their product like they're trying to bring back casuals that are gone instead of trying to placate the people who are always going to be there. And I think WWE needs to start trying to reach the people that are here for your product, stop pushing them away Right. in in trying to reach the people that are never going to come back. Okay. And I think that the the two, if the two companies could change their philosophies, because right now 
AEW is doing what WWE needs to be doing, and WWE is doing what AEW needs to be doing. So if they could figure that out, because I think the, the lapsed WWE fan is a lapsed fan because they grew up on a specific type of business right. that has evolved past where they were. Or and those people, aren't, those, those people aren't coming back. No, no. But the people that grew up on Hogan, they're gone. They're gone. The people that grew up on Stone Cold, they're gone. Vince has got to show people he's got viable stars now. And the only people that are there to pay attention are the ones that are always going to be there. But unfortunately, Vince has been chasing them away for the last two or three years. It's uh, I, I always compare it to uh, Jerry Jones needs to... Uh you know, hand the reins of the Dallas Cowboys over because like it's his, his ways are done. Uh, when it, when it comes to Tony Khan, I can see, you know, the honeymoon phase is over, but, uh, to put it best, the best way I could think about it when it comes to AEW, cause I haven't, I have, I am no longer an authority on WWE. I haven't watched raw in probably like two years. Um, I, I, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I felt like I was being talked down to, but when it comes to AEW, I feel that, it is now past the point where you broke up with your shitty ex-girlfriend. You've got your new, you know, creme de la creme, you know, dream woman. You got to stop talking about the ex-girlfriend. You got to stop. You got to stop talking about the ex. You got to stop being afraid of doing something that reminds you of the ex. Um, have a little bit more fun and a little bit more structure. Um, when it comes to AEW, I, I'm I, I still have to admit I'm still in the honeymoon phase with them. I, I I see it that I there are certain things I really need to let go. There's a lot of fun I have with it. It means the world to me that this thing exists. And but I appreciate you breaking it down like that because uh, I was that's ex- like if if you're wondering what some stranger you don't know is thinking when you're going off on a rant about a specific subject that was what i was thinking what does this guy have to offer as a solution and or 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 even some good ideas to to talk positively you weren't talking negative but you definitely were heated uh no 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 problem or shame in that Uh, that's just that's just how it goes now you're running your own fed you're kicking ass the locker room is one of the most refreshing locker rooms ever. Uh, it was it was just a lot of uh, camaraderie. Uh, if there was some deep seated heat with some people, I wouldn't have known because people weren't talking about that. They, they were. They were I don't want to punch Ryan Jensen in the face. He just has a punchable face, though. I don't know. <laughs> I have no problem with Ryan. I just want to punch him in the face. Yeah, just the way it is. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> I want to just, just real quick, before we get back into any SCP, please. I want to leave you with one thing about the dynamite stuff. Give me. Because I want, I want to, I want to touch on what you you mentioned about the whole talking about the ex girlfriend. Please. Go back thirty plus years. Well, go back twenty twenty five years. Go back twenty five years. Cool. Monday Night Wars beginning. You got WCW, you got ECW, you got WWF. Yes, we do. Now, of those three promotions, 95, 96. Okay. 
Who was the one promotion that never mentioned their competition ever? Oh. Vince McMahon. McMahon. Eric Bischoff started Nitro. This is where the big boys play. All the bumpers that ran on the commercials were showing guys who currently worked for Vince getting beaten by guys who currently worked for WCW. He gave away results of their show early. And the, he brought on their champions to drop belts and trash cans. The night that, the, what, what did they call it? The, the night the channel changed when Mankind? Well, yeah, that was, that was after. That was 99. What I'm saying is Bischoff's game plan was set up us versus them. Right. Go to ECW. Every Shane any Douglas chance, promo ever. Any chance Paul Heyman got. He was mentioned in WCW or WWF. Why? Because that was the revolution. It was us versus them. Those two companies lived on the idea of us versus them. How many times does Vince McMahon mention AEW today? Never. How many times does AEW reference WWE? Every now and then. Who never mentioned their competition 25 years ago? Vince McMahon. Who's still here? Uh, Heyman is working for WWE. WCW is gone. And ECW Bischoff is a... regular appearances on everybody's show. Everybody's show. Yeah. Point is, if AEW, if AEW wants to fulfill their potential, at some point, they have got to decide we are enough for our fans because if they continue to play us versus them, at some point, Vince McMahon's going to decide it's time to squash that bug because he did it before and he's still here. Right. So just take that and just think about we'll it. we get over Yeah. No, no, and uh, I, I appreciate it, man. That's one of the things you, you, you know, I got to offer solutions. Uh, wow, that this has been enlightening, man. I, uh, this this is more than I could have asked for from you, man. Like uh, you didn't know me from Adam. Uh, I got, I'm not gonna lie, uh, I got super lucky because one of my best friends in the world is Mr. Tony Morales, and he he's done a good job putting us over on the uh, wrestling front, giving us a lot more gravitas and. It was an absolute pleasure to be in your locker room and film around, and you, you, you let me, you let me, and, and, and forgive me if, I, if, if I'm overstepping here, but you saw an artist, and you gave him a press pass. You literally handed me full access. You, 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 you didn't even blink, okay, this guy's here to work, whether or not, I'm not, I'm not a wrestler. I, I'm not a wrestler, but you, but you, you noticed that I was there to work, and you you handed me the pass, and it was it was exactly what I was. It was more than I could have hoped for, and exactly more than what I had hoped for from, from from this podcast. I mean, we, we've talked about losing weight, we've talked about addiction, we've talked about solutions to AEW versus WWE, we've talked about, and and I really hope this is something that really hits home for a lot of our listeners. Stop talking about the fucking ex-girlfriend it's time to move on it's, it's time to move on it's time to enjoy your life it's time to go to the indies it's time to support your local fed it's time to um 
pay the twenty bucks to get the shirt that you want because it's gonna mean more than you more more to you than anyone will know. And uh, I'm just happy to have you in the show, man. You got anything else before we uh, before we uh, sign off here? I would like to anybody listening that is a wrestling fan that is um, feels disenfranchised by either Vince McMahon or Tony Khan. Right. What you need to understand is that there is approximately 25 first run hours of wrestling on TV every week. Whether that is your cable television, whether that is your streaming television, whether that is YouTube TV, um, one way or the other, you've got AW has three programs. WWE has five programs. MLW has a program. NWA has a program. Impact has a program. Um, I mean, you've got Ring of Honor has two different ones. They have their regular and they have their Wednesday women's stuff. Right. You know, you, you've got, if you're somebody who feels like the only thing you can do is go on Twitter or go on a message board and run down Vince McMahon or run down Tony Khan because those are the only two choices out there, you're gravely mistaken. There is so much wrestling out there for you to watch, for you to gravitate to. And I even mentioned New Japan, you know, which is available on Roku. So, I mean, if you're, in a, if you're an American wrestling fan, you have no idea what you have access to right now. You know, go out there, seek it out, find it. And that has that and I haven't even mentioned the thousand indies that are probably within twenty miles of you. Okay. So I mean, there is wrestling out there to consume if you want to consume it. It doesn't have to be at the behest of Vince McMahon or Tony Khan. And and the only way that these people are going to grow and get bigger is if they get supported. Right. So if you feel like AEW is too silly for you, or you feel like WWE doesn't make any sense to you, go try one of these other promotions because there's something out there for everyone. You just have to seek it out. But if you're not willing to seek it out, if you're the fan who is not willing to take the effort to seek out what you want to watch, I got news for you. Vince McMahon and Tony Khan aren't the problem. You're the problem. I agree. I agree. And I'm putting that down on my notes. And sorry if I had to mute myself like the, the rain and the hail started here. God, it's being crazy out there. Yeah, you can hear it too. Sorry about that, guys. But yeah, well, let's uh, let's sign off here, guys. It, it, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for uh, hopefully I've showed you as much as hospitality as you showed me. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. I'm always willing to 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 talk or, or be a part of whatever. I'm fine. And hopefully I'll see you on uh, July 24th. Oh, no. We've got uh, – well, we're going to sign off in a second, but don't hang up. But, like, we've got uh, July 24th in Lubbock, SCP, with Mr. Rick Elsie. Man, like, I can't wait to be there. We're going to ha- – we're going to film. We're going to we're gonna make another mini documentary. That's what I'm working on almost all day today. I'm going to finish it today. But, uh, guys – And the show will also – not only will it be live uh, in Lubbock, Texas, it'll be available on www.heckyarradio.com uh, as a streaming iPay-per-view. How do we find you on uh, the uh, social medias? 
I I have a Facebook page myself. That, uh, it's just Rick Elzy. Um, SCP has a Facebook page under Squirt Circle Pro. Uh, I also have a Twitter that, uh, that but I, I don't recommend looking me up on Twitter because uh, I, I try not to interact with anybody on that platform because it's just so toxic. I, I just the only reason I have it is so that I can interact with just very few people that I know. But uh, I, I'm pretty accessible on Facebook, uh, and then of course you know. Heck yeah, radio is a big part of that as well. I have my own um, weekly wrestling talk show on Sunday afternoons at 2 p.m. Uh, www.heckyeahradio.com. And it's rest, it's a ringside with Wrestling Rick and Mr. NL where we review the entire week of wrestling. The reason I know how many hours is because I watch all of them. <laughs> so. I, I dig it, man. But uh, thanks again for being on the show. Don't hang up. Guys, this is Minefields. This is dangerous. And this transmission is over. <laughs>